Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Bruni Surin. Bruni is a former world-class sprinter who competed in four consecutive Summer Olympic Games between 1988 and 2000, highlighted by winning a gold medal for Canada in the 4x100-meter relay at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, along with his teammates Robert Esme, Glenroy Gilbert, and former guest of this podcast, Donovan Bailey. Bruni, as an appointee of the Order of Canada and a member of the Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame, Canada's Sports Hall of Fame, and Quebec's Sports Hall of Fame. Most recently, Bruni has been appointed Team Canada's Chef de Mission for the upcoming Paris 2024 Olympics, a position in which I am sure he will be sharing with our current Olympians his wisest words of wisdom, the me I see is the me I will be. Salut Bruni at Bienvenue at Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Thank you very much, Andrew, for this invitation. Uh, right now, I'm in, uh, I'm, in, uh, I'm in Montreal, working hard, working hard. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's good. I want to ask, if I may, about your family. I understand you have children who are achieving greatness in athletics and in school. Yes, uh, I'm very, I'm very uh, happy. I'm very uh, glad. Um, my two daughters, they are graduated from my uh, university, uh, one in tennis at uh, Penn State and the other one in uh, uh, athletics uh, at the uh, University of uh, Connecticut. Now, the little one, she's um, actually doing uh, an internship in, uh, in France. She's working for a big uh, marketing uh, company. And my oldest one, she started uh, a company. She's a producer and a writer and all this cinema field stuff, you know. <laughs> so I'm very happy. I'm very happy for them. Excellent. Sounds like they're close to getting off the payroll pretty soon. Uh... <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> now, Bruni, I have to ask her, are you a cool dad? Do you TikTok or do you only have dad jokes? I'm a funny dad. I mean, at home, I'm always, we always laughing uh, uh, with my daughter, with my wife. We chat almost like every day. All the time. I mean, we are very close to the to the to the to the kid. I'm very I'm very fortunate with that for for that because even sometimes uh, we travel together. Even their friends cannot believe you travel with your parents. It's so cool, you know. <laughs> I'm like, we are cool parents. We are cool parents. At the same time, there's discipline, but we can we we make the difference. But we are very cool. We are close to them, and um, hope hope he will always stay like that. Well, I definitely need some coaching from you because the rule right now, my 16-year-old, the rule is I must stand 15 feet away when we're in public. Does not it, want to be seen. Don't worry, Andrew. It's just a period. But after that, everything will be fine. <laughs> Bruni, I knew you'd have good advice and good words for me. Let's please go all the way back. Get the Bruni Surin story. Where were you born? And please describe your upbringing. Uh, I was born in uh, in eighty. I remember a little bit about 80, like where I used to live. My school was kind of like a private school um, in front of my house. And I remember very young age, like uh, because we had the uniform, right? And every day my uniform had to be like iron, uh, all clean. And the first thing we did after school is I have to learn my lesson. Because if you don't know your lesson the next day, you it's not going to be good for for you with with the with the teacher because uh, they're just gonna it, it's tough it's tough it's it, and eighty back back then the teacher it wasn't just talking they were allowed to go further you know you know what I'm saying so now I don't know what what is the situation now but uh in my time I mean we got to make sure that 
we know our lesson. And every day after uh, I did my homework and lesson, I used to play soccer uh, every day. And uh, that was uh, that was my sport back then. And we moved to Canada when I was uh, seven, seven years old. Yeah. I think, Bruni, you're, of course, known for your fabulous reaction time on the track, but you showed your incredible reaction time. Even at the age of five, you saved your mom from an accident on the streets of Haiti. Yes, I mean, I was, uh, I was, uh, unfortunately, now my, uh, my mom passed a couple of years ago. But I remember I used to be very, very close uh, with my mom all the time. I was always with her and everything. And I remember we're walking uh, on, on the street. And back then, you know, the road, there's no, like, you go left, I go, people driving all over the place and everything. I remember at some point, I just saw, like, a car was just coming at her. And I just grabbed her and, and pushed uh, push her away, you know, and... And I was so glad about that situation. Oh my God, I saved my mom and everything. <laughs> and I told my mom, "When don't tell the story after we 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 had dinner." So because I want I want to to appreciate that uh, that moment. And yes, I remember that uh, I remember that uh, very very well. <laughs> now, at seven years old, nineteen seventy five, you come to Canada. Where did you land and live within Quebec? My first thing in Quebec was I came in the winter time. I came in on on uh, January, and I know from then when I off uh, when I uh, went off the the, the the airport, I was outside. I understood back then why my father brought us some winter jacket. You know, I was like, "What what is this? That I, I don't need that." So I, I understood that. And something that uh, that uh, all the time I'm thinking about this moment. It's like I'm coming in a new uh, environment. Like I have no idea uh, what to expect and everything. And my mom, the first thing, one of the first things that she said, I mean, we of, of course, are we, we sat, we have fun and everything. And uh, she said, listen, here, uh, it's, a, it's a new country, it's a new province, anything. And here you have all the opportunity. And I was like, okay, mom, okay, mom, I'm listening. And she's like, all the opportunity out there, it's up to you, work hard. And one lesson, life is a straight line, you know, whatever you're going to do, don't cheat do it on your own and that's the lesson that stay for my whole life you know i'm like okay i'm not gonna cheat i want to stay straight i'm gonna be honest and everything that's one of the biggest lessons that uh that she taught me and of course all the opportunity i want to seize them i'm like whatever i want to do here uh i'm gonna go for it and uh, i mean actually my slogan is go get it i mean sometimes because sometimes people say okay i want to do this this is my dream but i said there's no but don't don't put a but in your in your sentence. There is no but. Just go get it. If you don't have money, go find money. Go find a partner. Everything is there, you know. So no excuses. That's it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> now, of course, growing up, as you mentioned, soccer was your preferred sport when you came to Canada. Basketball was your preferred sport. How'd you get into track and field? And before sprinting, you actually started with long jump and triple jump. Yes, uh, because I remember in, in high school, you know, and and uh, phys ed uh, class. I mean, you, we 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 play all kind of sports and everything. And uh, and and Quebec, all the year at the end of the uh, our, our session, uh, the school year, we had this thing that uh, we call uh, regional. It's like a me. I called it like the mini Olympiad, you know. And uh, two two three weeks before that competition, our phys ed teacher uh, just teach us how to run, how to jump, and everything. And I remember from when I was like maybe 12, 13, uh, I won, uh, the triple jump, the long jump, but I wasn't, I wasn't the fastest, but uh, in my first high school year, because there, there was a coach 
who was in the national team coach, who approached me and said, hey, listen, I see you. Uh, you have potential. Uh, here's my business card. Call me. But me, I only did track because of the school. I didn't, I didn't have uh, any interest in, in track and field at first because my sport was basketball. But the thing is, the coach, every school year, he kept coming. Hey, Bruni, you remember me last year? Call me, call me, call me, call me. And actually, it took him five years to convince me. And why he convinced me also is because at some point, I was watching the Los Angeles uh, Olympic game in 1984, and I saw Carl Lewis. I'm like, who's this guy? Winning the 100 meters, 200 meters, long jump, and relay. And he was very stylish with his, with his haircut and everything. So he became, he became my idol. And right away, I went on the barbershop and I did the same, <laughs> I did the same, same, uh, uh, cut, haircut as him and everything. And I was following, following him. So that's why after that, I went to the coach and I said, well, I want to do, uh, I want to do track now because I want to be like, like Carl. And I was like, uh, one day I hope I can make the, the Olympic team and I want to be the fastest guy in the world eventually. And I want to jump the furthest in the world. So that's, that's how the, the dream start, I can say. The great Carl Lewis, he had four gold medals at that 1984 Los Angeles Olympics, nine gold medals over his career. Now, you wanted to start training as a teenager, but your parents, Bruni, were not interested in your pursuing track. So it took a lie to get your mom's support. And then you start training. Tell us what happened. But you know, you know the, 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 I could say that the, the, the old... Uh, mentality of our parents, you know, it was like, man, okay, you go to school. What about sport? No sport, uh, because that's going to distract you studying everything. And also in that era, a lot of parents that uh, was like, okay, well, you want to be a lawyer or a doctor and everything. That was the type of 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 uh, of, of work that was that that, that was uh, I can say that the uh, word, you know, that that was good for the for for the people. And when I told them that I want to do sport, they were like, no, you're not going to do it. Because what happened when the first coach tried to recruit me, when I won the long jump in my uh, first year of high school, the regional, the first two, they were supposed to do the provincial. Now, the provincial, it's on the weekend. So we have to go a lot of time. It was in Quebec, Quebec City. So that means I have to go on Friday, sleep in Quebec, and most likely sleep also and came back on a Saturday. And my parents like, like sleep outside of your house. No way. <laughs> so for, for my whole high school, I couldn't participate. And at some point after I saw Carl Lois and I'm like, I got to do this. I want to go to, I want to go to that competition and everything. I don't remember what lie I, I told them. So in order to, to go to the, <laughs> to the competition. But when, when I came back, I believe that I won like four medals in that competition. And I showed my mom the medals. And I said, mom, look, this is really what I want to do. And at that point, she started to be more open. Not totally open, but she was she was more open. So that's what, uh, after that, and, and I was uh, trying, to, I was uh, entering like competition slowly and slowly. And I, I, I kept hunting. But it took, it took a while for my parents to say, okay, well, yes. We support you at 100%. And I understand because in, in that era, it was like the norm. I mean, all the parents, my friends also, most of them, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't do it, uh, any sports. Sometimes we have to, we have to hide because their 
thing was like school, 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 and that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. Now you're on track. You wanted to start training. You did not have the financial support, so you had to chase it down. Yeah. Lots of knocking on doors, lots of no's. But then somebody not only answered the door, but they gave you $500. It was yeah. the restaurant owner. You actually had already turned your back. This isn't going to work. You're walking out the door. He calls you back, Bruno. He gives you the money. What did you do with that first financial support? It's it's with that first $500, I can say the first help that I had, that I went to buy my first pair of uh, spikes, like the competition uh, shoes. Because even before that, when I was competing, I had to borrow from my friends. I remember I was uh, what I was going to run or long jump and everything. I had to borrow from my uh, from my from my friends. And after that, when I got the five hundred dollars, I bought my first uh, pair of shoes. And I remember at some point I needed another pair because I was long jumping and triple jumping. And I remember it's my club with my first coach who, who bought me the, the the other pair of, of spikes because because I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't afford it. You know. And that's why I said sometimes to people, I mean, when once you have a dream, don't. Yes, they're gonna, there's gonna be obstacles all the time in front of you, and don't let those obstacles just just stop uh, chasing chasing your dream. You have to you have to find find solution. It wasn't easy. Sometimes knocking on door. I mean, people telling telling you no. It wasn't easy when people were saying, "Oh yeah, Bruni, you want to go to the Olympics? I mean, you have no money. Just forget about your dream." People was was telling me that. And and I'm like, no, I'm not gonna. Yes, I have I have no money, but I'm gonna find solution. That's it. You certainly did. And I'm gonna test your memory, Bruni. Here, well, I want you to tell us about the experience of winning your very first world title in the 60 meter sprint in 1993. Oh yes, I remember that very very well. In 1993, I was uh, I was winning all my uh, because back then they, I was uh, recognized like. The, the guy who start the fastest. I mean, all the races, the start, the first 10, 20, 30 minutes, I'm going to be ahead. But I had a problem with the end of my uh, of my races, end of 100 meters. But 60 meters was like, of course, shorter. So I had an advantage. So I won all the, my races and that, uh, and that uh, indoor season. And I remember going to Toronto at the Sky Dome. I'm the favorite. And of course, there was Frankie Federick, there was uh, uh, the U.S. sprinter, Dennis Mitchell and everything. And I was like, oh my God, I won the race. And my first shot was standing on the podium. My parents were there because it's in Toronto, you know, and my parents came with other friends on my uh, my neighborhood and uh, my wife was there and looking at the, uh, the Canadian flag uh, race and listening to the national anthem and everything. And in my mind was like, okay, this is the step. This is a big step. And I was already think, thinking ahead. And I was thinking like, okay, well, next year, what's going on next year? 94, 95, Olympic going to come. That's, I always kept my mindset to, yes, I enjoy the moment. I just won my first world uh, title. I was world champion. I was like, oh my God, now I got sponsors. I mean, people calling me, interviews and everything. My life changed, kind of starting to change, change back then. And I always remember at first, I said, well, listen, people didn't believe that I could, I could do that. And here I am and it's not over yet. It just started, you know? So that was, that, that was my motivation. It's like, I'm here, I'm world champ. You're going to see more of, of, of British. And that's what uh, kept me, kept me going. I was very, very motivated. 
I remember that very well. (laughs) You sure do. And it it was, as you note, you're on your way up in 1996, of course, is the race you're most well known for, the 4x100 relay gold medal. But immediately before that career highlight, Bruni, you experienced a really low point. Please Mm -hmm. share your experience during your attempts to qualify for the individual 100 meter men's final. Yes, I remember that uh, very well also. I mean, um, that year... Uh, everything, my mindset was like, I wasn't going, not that I was going to party and everything, but to so- socialize. I, I wasn't, I didn't, I did zero social with my friends. I was very uh, isolated. Uh, everything I was doing is training and go home and thinking about, I want to win the gold medal on the 100 meters and also the, the, the 4 by one That was my main thing, winning goal, 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 goal. And I remember during that period of preparation, I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like it. But I could I couldn't understand my state of mind, the way I was feeling. It's like I know I don't like it, but I'm going. And I remember at three or four occasions that I was going to to practice, I was just driving, the file wasn't there. And three four occasions I did a U-turn, I went back home. I didn't train. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, okay, whatever it is. But going to the 100 meters, I was ranked second in the world, you know? And when we did our, our final preparation at, at the house, going to the stadium, there's two equipment, one for the warm-up and another one for the athletes who has potential to win a medal. So you have your medal tracksuit. I look at the medal tracksuit on my bed. I didn't take it. I left it on my uh, bed and I closed the door and I said, coach, let's go. I'm ready. Now the coach said, Bruni, I'm going to check your room just in case to double check that you, you didn't forget anything. So he went in my room and he said, oh, you forget your uh, your equipment. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. He brought the equipment. He brought the structure. I didn't have it in my bag. Something was going on and I couldn't identify what was going on. And it took me that Going for the semifinal, they take the first four. There's two heats, four, four for the top eight for the final. I'm in the first heat. Finish racing, I look at the board, and I saw my name, Bruni Seren, Canada, fifth. So that means it's done. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. And I, 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 I'm like, I saw black. I saw dark. I saw stars. My head was pounding. And after that, I went to the warm-up track and I look at the final as a spectator. I look at the final at the track and the warm-up area, looking at my teammate winning the gold medal. And I'm like, I am supposed to be on that show. And I'm a spectator. And I'm like, okay, yeah, go Canada. And that's it. When I went back home at the house, something that I learned, I put in practice. When you hit the wall, First, why you hit the wall? Find why and what are you going to do about it as soon as possible. There's two things. There's no there's no ten. There's two things. There's always a reason and what are we gonna do about it? So I way back I took uh the big v- VHS back then, the big cassette, and I put it yeah, I put the in the video and I watched the race 
over and over and over again. I didn't understand. I said to myself, Bruni, why are you in this situation? Why are you here? What? And at some point, I'm like, oh, my God, I know why. I know exactly why. And I know exactly why I didn't like it. I know why three, four occasions I turned and I didn't go to practice. I didn't like it because why did I want that medal? For my family, for my friends, for the country, for my sponsors. I wasn't in that equation. I'm like, oh my God, Bruni, you didn't, you're not doing that for you. The passion wasn't there. And I'm like, oh my God, my mindset was off. That's the way I, I, I explained it. And now the second thing, what are you going to do about it as soon as possible? I said, I switch my mindset. I said, Bruni, from now on, you're doing that for you. You're doing it because you love it. That's you put yourself first. And then it's going to be the, 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 the Canada, your friend, your family, the country, but put yourself first. And a couple of hours later, I was at the pool and just enjoy. Oh my God, life is great. I found my solution. We're going to keep going. And people who saw me happy couple of hours after like a, a tragic, like it's crazy. You are the Olympic. It's a, and they see me laughing and they said, are you, are you sure that you're okay, Brody? I'm like, yeah, I found my solution. And actually four or five days later, winning that, that, uh, that gold medal was like today. I'm, I'm still looking at that race and I have goosebumps. It's crazy. I have goosebumps. And I feel very fortunate also that I was part of that race because even today after like 20, what, 27 years, uh, people still talking about that race. People still talking about, oh, I, I remember where I was when we won as Canadian. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is crazy. This is a, it's like a fairy tale, you know? It's like, oh my God, this is me. I was there. We won. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Without a doubt, it was one of the greatest moments in Canadian sports history. And yeah. I want to ask you, Broody, what was the feeling heading into those 96 Olympics? The Americans were heavily favored. They had never before lost in the 4 by 100 meter relay. Yeah. The, the thing that uh, we did, it's like, I always knew that when you put your effort together, when you talk about teamwork, when you talk about trusting each other and everything, you can make miracles. That's something that I learned from very young age. I mean, teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. We work on that. We work very hard on that. We went to training camps. In our training camps, it wasn't just, okay, guys, we meet, let's say, at 10 o'clock at the track. And once we finish training, I mean, everybody go their, their ways and we see the next day. No, we, a lot of time we went to have dinner together. I mean, we socialized. I mean, if, example, I have a concern or don't even have a concern or they don't have a concern, we were like one. We were, we, we built that. And once we get to the Olympic, we were like, we were so close. We were so tight. I'm like, we don't care about the favorite. We don't care about the American, what we have here the exchange of good communication, everything, we believe that we can do it. And once we get to the stadium before the final, I looked at the, 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 the eyes of Donovan, of Glenroy, of Robert. I saw fire. I saw, I'm like, the confidence was just there. I'm like, we're going to win this. We're going to win this. No doubt. From, from my position, third, I'm like, we're gonna go, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Once I was running on the on the curve, I'm like, 
I was confident that we go, we go, we were going to win. Even if a lot of people, almost everybody, thought that okay, the Americans going to win easily. So once I get off the turn, I give the baton to Donovan because we were in lane six, and the U.S. was in lane four. So from my left side, I didn't see anybody. So that's why after I, I give the baton to Donovan, automatically I raise my two arms because I knew that that we had it. we were in front. I just knew it uh, right there. And uh, like I'm talking to you now, I I have this emotion. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, Bruni, without further ado, <laughs> now on to that great moment in 1996, the four by 100 meter men's final from the Atlanta Olympics. Yeah. Here it is. Canada in lane six, the United States in lane four. And they're off, and it's up to Robert Esme to run the bend and make the clean exchange to Glenroy Gilbert, and he came flying out of the block. He did blast off. There goes Gilbert down the back straight. Gilbert is in a battle with Tim Hart, and now the third exchange, Marsh and Bruni Surin, and Bruni Surin has the lead. He's going to hand off in front of what appeared to Donovan Bailey. A clean exchange to Donovan Bailey is pouring it on. It's going to be double gold Canada. Oh, if you're Canadian, you have to love Saturday nights in Georgia. 37-69 for Donovan Bailey and the Canadian relay team. As Bailey and the other three members, Robert Esme, Glenroy Gilbert, and Bruni Surin, will depart Atlanta with a gold medal. 37-69 their time. Oh man, that was a great moment. <laughs> Bruni, you have heard that call a million times. You've already alluded to it that you still get goosebumps. How do you feel hearing that again? Oh my god. I have it I have it in my in my memory. As even sometimes the 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 commentator talk and I'm talking at the same time. I'm like, okay, yeah, Donovan uh uh Esmia has good stuff and everything. Give it to to to, to Glenroy. Uh, Bruni, na na na. Bruni has the lead. Going to East looks like Donovan. Canada's gonna win. Da na na na. And Saturday night in Atlanta. I have it. I have the script. I have the script in my mind. It's like, oh my god, this is this is nuts. This is nuts. And you know what? Sometimes people tell me, ask me, how did you feel after? How did you feel like standing on the podium? How did I feel? It was like, oh my god, goosebumps. My heart was beating, and at some point I thought that I was going to faint. It's like imagine you at this this the, the stadium. The stadium is packed, and they show the race again. You see yourself running at the Olympic Stadium. Everybody's watching, hearing the national anthem, and you have your teammate right beside you. And this is magic. This is just magic. And sometimes I'm like, if if somebody would write a scenario. Would say, oh yeah, the Canadian, the Canadian. They would say, Canadian, who? No way, the U.S. gonna win easily. And we show them, like with with all those tools that that we practice and everything. This is the result. That's it. Mm. The whole country was watching. The whole yeah. world was watching. Bruni, yeah. how did your life change after that gold? Oh my God, life changed suddenly. I mean, I remember right after that, the phone was like nonstop. Nonstop came back home. I was like on in in all the TV show, radio show, interview. I was just tired. I mean, 
It's 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 crazy. And when what once the, I would say that the first year, I didn't. Yes, it was fun. I mean, I have this thing. We have the sponsors and everything. Like changed totally. I mean, we were world uh, Olympic champion and everything. And years later, I remember I was at a at a conference, and maybe I was paying more attention. And I don't know. And I I remember somebody said, I remember where I was when we won. And I'm like, this person just said, you remember when I remember when I was when we, not when you. I'm like, oh my God. And now people say that we won. It's like we as Canadian, we as a nation. I'm like, oh my God, the impact that 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 race had, it's like it's crazy. And like I told you, I mean, today, people still talking about that. I can say without exaggeration, because I do a lot of uh, uh, speaking engagement. I do. I go across the country, Europe, or whatever, a little bit in the states and everything. I I cannot spend, I can say, two weeks, let's say, without somebody talk about the 1996 when Canada won. I'm not exaggerating. All the time, all the time, all the time. This is crazy. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting, Bruni? All four of you were not born in Canada, and, yeah. and here you were representing yeah. Canada. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me is uh, when when uh, when I talk about that. I mean, I remember also when when my mom was telling me, like, and I, and I'm always grateful also with the opportunity. I mean, Canada like uh, welcome us with open arms and everything, with the, the opportunities and everything. And like my mom said, when I was seven years old, the opportunities are there. But you have to go seize them. You have to work hard and don't cheat. That was the word. And now today I'm like, okay, well, what I'm doing today? I'm doing this these conferences. I am uh, an uh, entrepreneur. I'm like everything. I mean, sometimes today I'm I'm still saying I'm living like it's like a fairy tale. It's like okay, but also I, I always said to myself, how can I also like my mom did to me. Like my first coach uh, make me believe in myself. Also, they, they help me. I get help. How can I help people back? How can I inspire also other people? Because sometimes I'm hearing people, oh, yeah, but here the opportunity here is this, is that. And I say, well, yes, it's tough. It's tough. You see this medal? It was tough. Before I got this medal, I had no money. Maybe like you today. But what did I do? Did I say, okay, well, I have no money. It's too tough. I'm going to, I'm going to let go of my dream or you're going to go knock on door. You're going to convince people to embark in your dream. You're going to sell your dream. This is the steps that you need to do. Don't tell, don't come in. Sometimes I say, oh yeah, maybe I'm, I'm tough, but life is tough. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no gift. There is no gift. They, 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 don't, they didn't give me the medal. I have to go fight for it. Fight hard. And it took times. And my ultimate dream, especially with the kids, when I told them that, I said, guys, do you know how many years, do you know how long it took me to achieve my ultimate goal? When I said to, at 17 years old, oh, one day I'm going to run faster than Carl Lewis, which I did. But you know how long it took me? Most of the time, the kids, they're like, oh, what, four years, five years? And I went, I put my post, my finger. I said, okay, higher, higher. They go like seven, eight, ten. I go 15 years. At the age of 32, 32 years old, 32, I did it. 
So once you once you try to do something with you with your dream, your goals, and everything, and sometimes after one try or two tries, you don't achieve it and you 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 stop. I said no. Maybe you didn't want it enough. You have to have perseverance. And because what I, what I'm telling you, I didn't see that only on 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 Google. I lived it, and I know that you can do it also. That's period. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Great message about perseverance. Bruni, I have to ask you about the actual gold medal. Do you take it out frequently, wear it around? Where is it stored? <laughs> you know what? Basically, I, I live with an, uh, I have a um, safety box at the back, and I just leave, leave it there. But most of the time when I go to, uh, to make a conference, speaking engagement, the clients, like 95%, they're going to say, well, Bring bring the metal, <laughs> bring the metal. Because sometimes I don't want I don't want to kind of bring it and say, hey, listen, look look my metal, everything. But the client the client ask it, so I, I I bring it. But if it was just for me, I'm like I would I would I would leave it at the bank. But uh, yeah, I I bring it a lot in my uh, conferences. Yeah, <laughs> Rooney, you're far too humble. I can tell you that if I did what you did, I'd be wearing it to put out the garbage every night. I'd be wearing it twenty four seven. Now, it's interesting you mentioned, you would think that was the absolute height of your career, but you had, you just mentioned it, another great moment. Yep. And it's all about, as you said, perseverance. It took you 15 years from that first moment of infatuation at the age of 17 with Carl Lewis. You did run faster than him. Did you eventually meet Carl Lewis? And what was your interaction like? Yeah, I met, I met, first time I saw uh, Carl Lewis was just uh, beside me. It was at the World Championship in 1987 in uh, Rome, where I was long jumping. I wasn't sprinting yet. And I remember the first time I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot believe it. He's just beside me and everything. I was so impressed. I was staring at him. I was just basically staring at him. And at some point, I remember he looked at me and he, he made a, a, a something with, with his eyes, like a, a glitch. And just to say, okay, well, hi, but now focus on your, <laughs> on your competition, you know. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, like, is, is, is there and everything? And uh, I remember at uh, the beginning of my career, he made an interview. I believe that uh, because maybe one of the TV uh, knew that uh, he was my idol and they reached out to him. And he said, uh, well, Canada, uh, they should, uh, the corporate should invest in this young coming up uh, athletes and everything because he has talent and everything. And that, that helped me uh, very much. And I remember a couple of years later, I was at his house in Houston because I was at some point I was training there a little bit. And uh, he said, oh, on the weekend, we're going to have a party and everything. You're invited. You can, you can come with your, with your coach. And I was at his house. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. The guy I was seeing on TV, he was my idol. I had my hair cut like him and everything. Now I'm in his house, you know. <laughs> this is, this is, there, there was a, that was, that was a great, great moment. It was a, Kind of a very, uh, yeah. Sometimes you can say, yeah, cocky, <laughs> cocky guy, you know. But uh, he, has, he has also this, this, this aura, and I think that uh, he was the first one, first athlete also back then, who who made the sport more professional, uh, also because at that time it was like very uh, amateur, like we we couldn't the athletes back then couldn't make a career and anything, and he helped build uh, that to make like a more professional and that's 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 why we get we, like athletes also now i believe that's why we uh they we, we retired later age also because 
at some, back then, if you're like uh, 30 years old, I mean, you have family to feed and everything. You go to Europe, like, there's no money. You need to go back to, in your house and, and to, uh, to work. But now you like, get sponsored, like appearances at the World Championship Week. There's prize money and everything. So, yeah. Well, I'm Good. glad you got to meet him. And that's a, that's a great story. It's that's really great. <laughs> If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview with Bruni Surin, please check out the more than 175 additional episodes available anytime. We got Donovan Bailey, Mark McCoy, Rick Vive, Rob Butler, Mike Morialli, and Kent Manderville. How they did it directly from the Toronto Legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365 wherever you get your podcasts. Bruni, you retired from running in 2002. Did you know it was just time? Yes, I know. I know it was a, uh, it was set like that because first of all, I had a, I had an injury at the before the my last Olympic, two thousand Olympic, and 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 Sydney, it it never came at hundred percent. I had a ligament ligament tear, and um, I was like, I don't want to end my career uh, with the injury, so. All this year, I did uh, therapy and everything. It was coming along okay. And then 2001, the injury started back again. So I finished the race in a wheelchair in 2001 and, and Edmonton. I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is not good. So now I said, I was thinking, I said, I want to finish on my own term. I said, I'm going to do last year. Uh, the year I'm going to, my last year, I'm, I'm going to do less 100 meters because it's so Put so much stress and on the injury. I'm gonna do more relay because we start standing and everything. And of course, I was doing a lot of uh, 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 therapy. And at the same time, I was preparing my exit. I said communication. I like that. I went to a private school with and communication, TV, radio, and I I start to learn more about uh, the the business uh, side. And I was putting on paper everything that I want to do for my with with my transition. So that's why once I retired, I was prepared. I I was building my, my dream house and I started my uh, foundation and I started I started my uh, my businesses because what I learned also from past athletes, if you don't prepare your after career, so that's where it can be I can say dangerous. Sometimes okay, you're not prepared, maybe depression and stuff like that, you have we have problem. So I prepare my exit, and I knew that once it was over, that's over. So I, after that, I was pushing my businesses and everything, my foundation, which is now this, the twenty-one years that I'm doing like uh, events. We just finished uh, events like a couple of days ago. Yeah, that, that uh, that's it. But I, I knew, I knew once it was over, it's over. Well, I, I want to go to modern day Bruni Surin. Today, you have been appointed the chef de mission for. Team Canada at the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Congratulations on that great honor. Tell us about the experience of getting the phone call from the Canadian Olympic Committee. Oh my God, this is this this was a, a moment like un, unbelievable. I remember when they told me that one of my friends was like, "Oh yeah, Bruni, just give it to you because it's you, it's Bruni and whatever." I'm like, "Oh my God!" I went to look back on my uh, emails because I keep all my emails. My wife said that I'm crazy, but I keep all my email. And I'm like, when was the first time that I I did the the approach to be the chef de mission? It was back in 2010. So I tried many times. So I didn't. They didn't just give it to me. I tried, 
and I showed that I really uh, want to do that. I'm, I'm, I, I can be good for the terms. And I remember when they told me that, I was just jumping in the air. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then I'm like, it couldn't be, I've been more better to, to be in Paris. I mean, even when I was an uh, in, uh, in, uh, active athlete in Paris, I did all the competition in France. I know France uh, very well. I speak French and yeah, but I, I tried for, that was my fourth time that I was trying to be the chef de mission. And I also, uh, I said to the uh, Canadian Olympic Committee, listen guys, I don't want to be chef de mission on just on paper to say that, okay, I'm going to be chef de mission. I'm going to be at the Olympics and go to all the competition. And that's it. I want to invest my time. I want to invest my time by going in the competition. I'm investing my time by by meeting uh, the coaches, meeting the parents, meeting the federations, because what I want to create with the with the athletes, uh, it's a the way of I can say trust also, like they know me. Like if there's a concern, if there are questions and everything, I'm available uh, for the for the for for the athletes, and that's what I'm what I what I'm doing now, and I just love it. I just love it. Love that. Yeah. Well, I, I know you enjoy engaging with the athletes, and I mm. I know you've also enjoyed engaging with Canadian athletes from sports outside of sprinting. I understand you tried canoeing with some yeah. mixed results. <laughs> that was funny. I, I oh, I did I did canoe. I did boxing. I did. I mean, I remember I went I went to the to the to the water, and the, the night before I was kind of visualized how it's going to be the next day because I'm, I was kind of of uh, nervous. And before going in the water, I asked the coach. Is the water like like deep? Is it deep? And he's like, yeah, it's deep. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> because I can swim, but I'm not a good swimmer, you know? And I knew that it was going to be difficult. But after, after like, I don't know, four seconds, I just fell off. And of course, that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't swim well. And the boat was going into another direction. And the athletes and the coach was like, Bruni, go get the boat. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to get the boat. <laughs> Just want to save myself. <laughs> so now another another athlete has to go jump and and grab the grab the boat. <laughs> that was a funny thing. But the important point is you showed you're interested and you're right. engaged. Oh yes, I have to ask you, Bruni. As you mentioned, you're obviously the big highlight was now 27 years ago. When you deal with the current batch of Canadian Olympic athletes, do you have to introduce yourself and show them your YouTube highlights, or do they already know you? Um, you know what? The younger, um, what I do, let's say I'm going to a school or a university, like they, they are younger, of course, like their parents told them about about me. But uh, for the younger one, I said, okay, well, before, let's say I'm going to, I'm going to a high school. I said, before I go to the high school, uh, I said to the director or the, or the teacher, can you make sure that you show a YouTube video or you talk about me before I, before I come so they have they have an idea? So to my to my big surprise, you know, at first I was nervous. I'm like, okay, well, how are they gonna welcome me? How are they gonna react? Because we're not the same generation, we're not the same age, but they have a huge respect, huge respect about what uh, they, they they saw on YouTube or. or or the, the 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 teacher told them about me, and they are very curious and they ask a lot of questions, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is this is great, you know, because I was like, okay, well, do, are they gonna say, well, uh, we don't want to know about him, he's uh, 
he's old anyway, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. I've seen some people and recently I saw, I saw a, a gentleman, maybe he was around, I would say like maybe 27, 28, around that age. And, uh, he looked at me and said, sir, you used to, used to do sport, right? And I'm like, yeah, I used to do, I used to do track. And he's like, I remember you came to my school, Bruni. And I still remember what you, what you, what you said to us. It was very uh, motivation. And then he looked at me and said, oh, you age, you age well, eh? <laughs> oh, I was there. <laughs> and now, Kerry, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of those, you know. <laughs> well, I think it's great. You know, when you, when you give advice and feedback, it's yeah. great to hear that instead of saying, thanks, grandpa, you know, I'll do it my way. It, it, it sounds like they're willing to listen to you, which yeah, is great. Yeah. yeah, I'm very happy. I'm very happy about that. Very grateful. <laughs> now, Bruni, I'd have to take advantage of your expertise here to get comments on Andre de Grasse's statuses these days. Is he yeah. looking to be on track and ready to compete at 2024 Summer Olympics? He's gonna be. He's gonna be ready. He's gonna be ready. Um, uh, I saw him uh, earlier this year at the Canadian Championship and uh, Langley, uh, BC. I was there. And of course, the 100 meters, he didn't qualify for the final. I was like, at first, I was like, hmm, what's going on? I knew that he had some kind of minor injury, changing coach and everything. You know, the transition sometimes is tough. And uh, even I talked to him after that. I said, well, are you okay and everything? And his spirit was like, he was positive. And I was like, okay. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe he's not going to run the 200 meters, which was the day after. And the day after I go to the stadium, I go to the track, he's running and he won. I'm like, okay. And just recently, uh, that was like a couple of days ago, he won a, a diamond league running like 197 something. I'm like, oh, well, so he's back. So all that to say, uh, he's the kind of athlete that sometimes in the season, uh, he has some up and down, but once it's time to perform, he's going to be there. Now he's healthy. The mindset is 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 there. He has his family. He's happy, and for Paris, he's gonna be he's gonna be very dangerous. He's gonna be very dangerous. Yeah. Excellent news. You heard it straight from Bruni. We're in good <laughs> shape. That's good. Now, Donovan Bailey has been a guest on this podcast. What is your relationship like today with Donovan and also with Robert and Glenroy, as the four of you are linked forever in Canadian sports history? Yeah, I mean, I mean, today now, uh, yeah, I'm still in Montreal, Donovan, and and, and uh, Oakville. Sometimes a lot of time in in uh, in Jamaica. We all have, or I could say that, our, our jobs and everything. But once once we get, uh, like, let's say, at the World Championship or uh, Olympics, a lot of time we we are there. We we hang out, and uh, we we still have this uh, brotherhood, and uh, and and I can say because what what we uh, experience uh, together was so strong and that's something that that stay uh inside that stay inside us and i can i can say that i can i'm gonna have that for the rest of my life you know i mean having four guys and don't forget uh carlton carlton chambers who also run uh the the the, the, the semis uh with us what we lived together was 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 magic you cannot you cannot erase that whatever happened you can you can, you can never 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 erase that very strong yeah we talked about your gold medal. Where is the physical, actual baton 
and your spikes from that 1996 Olympic gold medal 4 by 100 meter race? You know what? Back then, I was giving all my stuff at the, at the after the season because I, I got sponsored and everything. All my equipment and everything, I go to the to the the place that I train. I give it to the younger kids and everything and everything. And now one point I said, "Where's my spikes? <laughs> I think I gave it away. <laughs> I gave away my spikes. I gave away my equipment and everything. But the only thing that I have, okay, you have the medal is there, and now the 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 relay baton." They they all gave us like a, a a replica of the the battery. It was the same design, same colors, and anything. I have that in uh, I have that in my house. But my shoes, I just give it away and everything. But the mem- it's most important for me is the memory. The memory is still there. And talking about the medal, you know what? It's funny. I was talking to that uh, to a friend recently. When at some point I was moving to a new uh, condo and everything, and I believe like two or three months uh, later. I got somebody uh, broken. They broke in my house. And I'm like, oh my God, they took my jewelry and everything and everything. And I was a drawer. I had a drawer, like what kind of a hidden. And I saw the drawer was was opened because the next day I had a conference and the, my medal was there. I'm like, oh my God, the medal is gone. It's gone. So once I approached the, the drawer and I looked, the medal stayed there intact. And all the money, I got some money is gone. My passport was gone. My jewelry was gone. The, but the medal just stayed there. And I was like, I was mad because I got broken. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, at least the the, the guy who thief, the, the, who stole my stuff, he was kind of kind that he left me at least my medal, you know? Yeah. That was wow. fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll give him a little credit, but not that much credit. <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> I had I had a mixed I had a mixed feeling. <laughs> yeah, Rudy, I have to ask: Do people still walk up to you today and challenge you to a running race? Oh my god, all the time. And now I'm like I don't do I don't do any any sport like um, team sport and everything because sometimes I I play team sport. I just want to have fun, and now people actually want to challenge me, want to beat me, whatever, and. I don't like it, you know. Even the last time I did something and 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 with a group, we had um, with my foundation, we we sold um, like people could could come train with me and everything, and the company but that with some other people and everything. And I remember the day that we were supposed to do the spinning, we like maybe twenty of us, and you know just so uh, just having fun, you know, spinning together, da da da. And one of the person guy go because all the bikes we have numbers and we have a screen. To see where we stand, and one person goes, "The person who beat Bruni, I'm paying the beer." <laughs> I'm like, "Come on, man! <laughs> I just want to chill, you know." And after that, I'm like, "Okay, no, I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do that because I didn't. I didn't have fun. I didn't have fun. I, it, all the time they, they try to challenge you and everything. If I just want to have fun, I'm gonna do my own stuff. That's it. I train by myself." <laughs> Well, having said all that, Brody, I know you're a humble guy, so I don't think you're going to give me the answer I want. But here's the most important question. 2023, who would win a 100-meter dash today? Bruni Surin versus Donovan Bailey versus Carl Lewis. Um, Is that actually uh, running running or race? Race car. <laughs> if it's race car, I'm going to win. But if it's going to be at, at the track, there's no way I'm going to step on the track. I mean... Because remember the the last injury that I had, 
it's not it's not uh, even uh, one hundred percent. And funny thing, my my daughters, we used to go to Florida all the time for the for the for the uh, Christmas and New Year and everything. And we as we used to have we call the the certain family challenge. So I challenged my daughters racing because they were they were calling me pops. I said, "Don't call me pops." As far as far as I run faster than you, you cannot you cannot call me pops. You know, like grandpa. Eh? So we used to race. And the last time I tried to race my daughter, after like two steps, I almost uh, pulled my Achilles, and I had to do like three months of therapy. And my doctor was like, "Bruni, what are you thinking?" And he goes, "Don't ever do that again." So there's no way, no way that you could you you will see me at the track running. No way, no way. <laughs> well, that I think we're gonna your your daughters respect you. I know they're gonna not challenge you anymore. Nope, that's it. <laughs> I have to ask you, Bruni, bring an Olympic gold medalist has allowed you to meet all kinds of interesting celebrities and other athletes. Carl Lewis, of course, was a great one. Any other interesting stories meeting other well-known personalities that you really enjoyed? Well, other personalities. Um, on the business world, uh, yeah, I met um, Hugh Hilton. I met uh, Steve uh, Wozniak. Here in Quebec, like big, all the big entrepreneurs like uh, Pelado, uh, Chagnon, I met, I met, I met all of them. I mean, today my my world is more towards like business. I'm more business uh, minded, but a lot of them I met them. I, I go to like business international business uh, convention, and of course, like when I when I exchange, I tell my stories and everything. There's there's an interest, you know. I met uh, celebrities also also here, like local celebrities and everything. But I don't I don't I don't pay attention to that. I mean, me my thing is more like it's business, business, business. That's that's what that's what uh, get to me. Yeah. Well, on that note, today, Bruni, you're an entrepreneur and a speaker and a coach, and you have a foundation. Why don't you share with us what you're working on? I'm working on. I mean, uh, my foundation. Uh, like we just last week, we just did uh, three events as a fundraising. I have uh, one of my uh, good friends. She's an artist, and uh, we did two days. Like uh, we were selling, like uh, painting, sculpture, and everything. And uh, all my uh, network they came and uh, helped us raise uh, uh, money. And we did a race, also really a race. And some athletes uh, who, who race for my foundation, because what we're trying to do is like uh, there's so much needs in elementary school. Like people, like students, sometimes they go in school like with no nothing to eat, and sometimes there's a lot of them who do, doesn't have enough money for their uh, school books and pens and stuff like that. So we try to uh, we try to help with that. It's a big challenge. It's a big challenge because. Uh, Actually, last week they had um, something on the news. They said that uh, in Quebec, the need, if they would go like across the board uh, in Quebec, it would cost like uh, two billion a year to 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 accommodate uh, all the students. And I'm like, okay, well, what we're doing here is like a grain of salt, but at least we do something to 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 help a couple of them. We cannot we cannot save, we cannot help everybody, but more and more to me, it's like because. Back then, people helped me, and I want to help people uh, today. So that's what I'm doing with my foundation. Because, uh, and otherwise, I do a lot of uh, speaking engagement. Like uh, every week, I'm traveling. And like tomorrow, I'm going to Halifax and then Ottawa. 
meeting people, inspiring people, and everything. And and I and I say that very very humble. And there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. And I'm doing a lot of some uh, real estate uh, investment, and uh, also invest in some other uh, companies and stuff like that. You know, so I have a I have a busy life. <laughs> Certainly do. That's excellent. Glad to hear you're so busy. Rooney, where can we best follow you and where can we best follow everything you're working on? Uh, Best way to follow me is my website. It's uh, uh, suren.ca. Or otherwise, I'm I'm, uh, on all the platforms, Instagram, um, uh, LinkedIn, uh, business. uh, Yes, for sure. But it's easy to find me. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I have to tell you, it's been a real pleasure meeting you, getting to know you, hearing your stories. And I want to wish you uh, continued success going forward. Uh, thank you very much, Andrew. And uh, I, uh, I want to congratulate you also. You were well prepared and I really enjoyed uh, the podcast. <laughs> that means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And to the listeners, on behalf of Bruni Surin, I am Andrew Applebaum saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.